Please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. This is Martin the Mailman. And I'm Young Leezy. And welcome to Kind of Movie Critics. It's uh, just the two of us right here today. <laughs> yes. We kind of don't know what to do with ourselves. We know how yeah. Treasy feels when he's just like, I don't know how to open this thing up. But Le- Leezy was right. I was wrong. I thought we were going to be back here for Black Panther. But thanks to one fan out there, we're, we're right <laughs> we're right back here. Just two of us. <laughs> two out of five. Shout out to you. Let me pull her up on Twitter because... Uh... She was kind enough to say like she was looking for this. Uh, Jay or Jai Danielle, shout out to you. Yeah. Um, for checking Danielle. for us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Keeping it, keeping the pod alive. Yeah. Out there. Keeping the pod alive because like uh, Treasy is fancy and he went to film like a movie in Texas and was just like, bye, bitches. So. <laughs> <laughs> So he hasn't had time to pot. I'm sure he'll join us soon, like whenever we're ready to talk about the next thing. But yeah, I'm sure he's having fun out there. Sure. So what have you been watching, Martin? What what do you got going on? Um, I'm watching. I'm watching industry. I think you should watch industry just because I want to see what you think of it. Because the um the main character is like a black woman, right? She's but a she's black like, girl with curly hair who looks somewhat like me. I've I've seen a couple uh, yeah. episodes. Yeah, she like. But it's like a fish out of water thing because she's from America, but she's working at like a British investment bank. And just this, like, the not this episode that came out, but the last episode, I always was like, something's off about her, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, she don't really hang out with black people. Like, she, se- she seems to, like, assimilate into this culture, like, super easy. In the last episode, she was, like, doing meth with, like, a brother or something. Holy shit. <laughs> I was like, I don't know black people like that. I don't but even. You find, out, you find out, like, she was basically raised by, like, her Hungarian mom and her dad left them with oh, her and stuff. So, effectively, she's. So, it's like, she's not raised around. She's not black. Okay. Yeah. Effectively, culturally, But I've been I've been wondering that, like, then this entire, like, two seasons, like, something's off about this chick, but <laughs> I just, just found it out. I'm curious if the writer's room was like incredibly white and they had a black person come in and they were like, so we have to explain why this black, this black person's not fucking black at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm they curious. do they do certain things that's like, she's, she's still black. Like, sometimes her hair like is real, she'll do the afro and it looks beautiful or whatnot. And they'll, they'll comment on her blackness like sometimes. So she's, she's, a, she's experiencing being perceived as black. But like yeah. culturally, she's culturally she's, she's not like totally trying to assimilate. She keeps like throwing it to like every white dude she can. I'm like, what what's going on? <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> but but it's a fun show. People compare it to like um Euphoria, but it's like Euphoria with like they're like a little bit older and they're all smart basically. Like they make they're really smart people, but they make terrible like life choices. I'm Whereas gonna... Euphoria is like all those kids are kind of. Stupid to me. They're really like, stupid. You care about them because because of their backstories and like yes. the things they've gone through to get to that point. They're all stupid. Like yeah, serious. Well, except McKay, he seems to have decent sense. But like even he him, he still I, does some wild stuff. Though, yeah, some right, right. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So I am gonna give that a, another go because I don't have anything that I'm like married to right now. It's like I've been in the yeah. house a lot, so. I've had lots of time to watch TV here lately. My daughter's back in school, and so I was winding down and trying to 
sit my happy ass down so she could acclimate back to going to bed at a decent time. So I got to be quiet <laughs> so she right. can be quiet. But um, I finally got around to watching rap shit. Like, and I was surprised by it. It is tonally very similar, like in terms of the humor to Insecure, but the characters are very dissimilar from the insecure characters, whereas they've all like gone to college and trying to find themselves and they're looking for love. These are girls who like are trying to figure out how to break into the industry and like are not polished or like super college educated and just trying to find their way. But like the humor on the show is right up my alley. And I definitely, I didn't even realize that that was a scripted series when I saw the thumbnail for it. I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is like a rap competition show. Like, I don't want to watch this shit. <laughs> yeah. Then when I realized it was a scripted series, I really enjoyed it. I, I randomly binged Midnight Mass because when I saw it on Netflix initially, when it came out like, what, a year ago, I didn't realize it was the same uh, production writer-director for like Bly Manor and Hill House. And then I was like, oh. Because, you know, like they keep using the same yeah. cast similar to um, to uh, American Horror Story, but it's like actual right. quality show. It's not bullshit like American Horror Story. So um, I really enjoyed Midnight Mass. Lots of religious exploration there. Mm-hmm. And you will be pleased to know, Martin, that um, my boyfriend convinced me that I should not be so anti Game of Thrones. And so without ever having seen an episode of Game of Thrones in life, I have started watching House of Dragon. And I'm actually enjoying it. Um, We kind of had a conversation about- Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good- I mean, I think the first episode was a good episode because it's like by the end of it, you know whether you want to stay or go. Like you've seen like the fantasy elements, you've seen the political elements, but you see, you also see like the violence and the horror and stuff that goes along with this world as well. And and if if that seems to be like something that's too much for a lot of people, like that's what the conversation was. So, I mean, I think it's a good first episode. So those people could be like, can decide for themselves whether they want to stay or go. Well, I'm, I am very much like a person who doesn't enjoy fantasy set in medieval settings. Yeah. So like, there are very few things that, like, I can, he loves that shit, though. Like, if it's nice yeah. jousting and fucking each other up, he's like, sign me up. So, <laughs> um, uh, but, like, we kind of bonded over Willow. So I was like, hmm. And I discovered what it is that I don't like. It's how much I have to think about translating whatever dialect of English that they choose to use. Oh, yeah. And so, like... If they are speaking in a way that I have to decode, like, I check the fuck out. Like, I'm not interested at all after that. And that's why I can list, I can watch Willow, because they're right. just talking. It's just regular, like... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Those first few seasons in Game of Thrones, I always had, like, the subtitles on. Well, I was I w- trying to figure I mean, out what they were saying. I'm used to it now. Like, I could, I could discern what they're saying. But back then, yeah. But they don't seem to, like, be talking in, like, this high dialect so like did you see the second episode no i've i've watched all three like i'm signing yeah. up at nine o'clock like, i don't I'm know what the tv the girl who was masario was doing in that episode <laughs> <laughs> when she was talking to damon you're talking about the chick from ex machina yeah i don't like, it's like i don't understand her career it's yeah, weird yeah. right i just was like right. what what is that what is she supposed to be because there's yeah. are there is there 
in this in this universe is there a France? Like Okay, so Westeros is basically like England slash Europe and Essos where where she's from is kind of like Asia, but I guess there's technically also like black people in Asia because they don't really go to the place that actually has black people. It's it's super complicated. So like, that place is east of Westeros. Yeah. And they don't know what is west of Westeros. YouTube YouTube told me they don't know what's west of Westeros because I had to have some gaps filled in. Well, I think it's they they, nobody really knows, but like there's a theory that like if you go west, you just come out on the other side of like Essos, basically, kind of like so the Earth is Christopher Columbus, yeah, thought that like India was America, basically. Yeah. I don't know, so, but I'm here for it. Like I'm a convert. I'm probably not gonna go back and watch Game of Thrones. Like Oh yeah. But I'm I might. I don't I, think this is better than Game of Thrones, but I w- I wouldn't make you like watch eight seasons of that. Like even though the first four seasons are like damn near perfect. It but. it could probably like live in like my fandom the same way that like I'm I love Star Wars. I didn't come yeah. to Star Wars late. Like I've been loving Star Wars since I was four. But right. Like, I love Star Wars, but I am not watching Clone Wars, and I am not watching... <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I hate I'm, watch, like, Rebels for the I'm first not, yeah, two seasons. I'm not like watching Rebels. the Rebel. second season, and when, like, it got interesting, and they actually added, like, stakes. But, yeah, it's, it's a super difficult watch. I'm going to let yeah. YouTube explain to me how, yeah. who all these animated series people are that yeah. pop up on Disney+, Plus, and I'm just going to be satisfied with that. But like that's how we're gonna we're gonna do Game of Thrones. Like YouTube will just tell me whatever I oh, didn't yeah. get, and I mean I'm not missing much, like because I'm I'm not like watching YouTube before I enjoy um, House of the Dragon. But like, yeah, I mean that's what I did. Like I haven't read the books or anything, but right. like I just watched a bunch of YouTube videos, so I pretty much know everything that happens. And mm-hmm. I actually like can't wait for Winds of Winter, uh, whenever that's coming. I don't. You're speaking Japanese. Yeah, that's like the that's the next book, but he's been like. Saying it's gonna come out since like 2014, basically. So will we get like another installment? Like, does it become a universe like the Wizarding World or Star Wars? Like, yeah, it's. I mean, there it's it's a universe both as like the show and the books because basically, there's like I don't know exactly how many books, but the net there's two more books that are planned: is Winds uh. of Winter and A Dream of Spring, basically. Winds of Winter is like the penultimate book. Um, but he also has like a book called Fire and Blood, which is like a lot of the story of um House of the Dragon comes from Fire uh, and Blood. Gotcha. It's a it's like only half done and it's about the Targaryens, basically. And he has another book called The World of Ice and Fire, where he kind of details the entire like universe, but it's mm-hmm. like from an unreliable narrator, basically. And then there's like another some other novellas called like Duck and Egg, which is about like this knight and his squire, and his squire grows up to be king. So it's like a huge like universe of a whole bunch of stuff. So he has the potential to like take care of his kids in perpetuity. I did also last night start watching like Rings of Power. Like I can't do it. Oh yeah, I cannot. Yeah, I, really, I, I try. <laughs> I, I can't really do, do it. Try. It looks amazing to me, but. I, I, I can't I really do can't, it. I can't go back to it. It's like when you're a kid and you drink soda for the first time and they try to give you like <laughs> juice again. <laughs> I, like, I never did enjoy my time in Middle Earth. Like um, yeah. when I was in college, like 
my my SO at the time was like really into it. And I sat through the first movie and was like, this is awful. And I watched the second one and then we broke up. So like I never needed to come yeah. back. Right. So um and, and and like this, I tried to watch The Hobbit and I got like two seconds in and was like, this is too much for me to keep up with. I don't care. Mm-hmm. So I, I was trying to give this a chance because, you know. Yeah, I try. I try to. I think I'm gonna keep watching it to see if it gets better. Mm-hmm. But it, that's a lot of money to be wasting on a series that, like, I, I don't know what they're doing with that show. We'll see. I mean, Prime has things that I enjoy, but we'll see. I think this was like their flagship, like sink or swim for Amazon Prime Video. Really, is is all based off of this show? Not the boys. This. Nah, they need to bring back that much. Harlem yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, you mean like in terms of like big budget things? Yeah, and it's it's weird because they don't have access, like they don't have the rights to the movies. Mm-hmm. So it's like they have the rights to like everything outside of the movies. So they can't even say Hobbit in the show. They they call them oh, like wh- Harfoots and stuff like that. Like, oh, so they've they, changed the name really of this species yeah. because of copyright infringement. Yeah, that is wild. I don't I'm like why would you pay like half a billion dollars for something you don't even own the rights to the movies that like that makes no sense to me but that's nuts. Well, I don't Bezos. think I'll be joining you, but I'll check in with you. Like if it gets good, you gotta like text me and be like, oh, yo, easy, like you gotta check this out. I mean, I literally just watch it like while I'm waiting for Game of Thrones to come on, and that's what I as soon as game as soon as it hit nine o'clock, like I switch right over to uh, <laughs> House of the Dragon. There we go. How you how you feel about them uh, dreads though on Corliss and his whole family? I don't feel and anything. That cute little the cute little black girl in episode two. I think that the pedophilia in this show is wild, but uh, yeah. I respect Viserys for being like, I'm not fucking that little girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And they try to marry his his kids together. He was like, my son he is too. Like, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Um, he's he's like, I'm not fucking the twelve year old, seventeen year old's fair game though. Yeah, basically, yeah. Weird ass. I know that shit is like in, inappropriate there, but like I'm here, like I'm watching Star Wars. I take issue with with Padme like falling in love with Anakin. Like that was weird right. too. So if I can suspend disbelief and just like get past that part to get to the the end of the story, we're good. I'm not. I I'm not worried about. I heard black people saying like they're trying to force black people into Game of Thrones, and like I'm I'm not. I didn't watch it, so like I have mm-hmm. no like frame of reference to know if like it's weird. So I mean, he's a, he's a minor character in the book in in the books or reference in the books, and he is white in the books. But the thing is, the area that he's from is in like Essos, so there's people of color in Essos, so it's not like a big deal that he would be black or any other light color. Well, but we're gonna people are tripping over it. Yeah, we gonna see. So I guess today we're here to talk about Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, (laughs) which was like a wild ride. And I watched it once and then I got halfway through it again last night. And I was just kind of like, okay, I know what happens after this. Mm. Um, (laughs) So Martin, how did you feel? This feels really similar to, um, what's that that, um, frat movie we did back like years ago? Burning Sands. Is this it? feels very similar to Bernie Sands to me. At, at least, like, the reaction to it is a bunch of people being like, yeah, we know this is made by somebody from our community, but this is bad fake and BS and this isn't what we stand for type of thing. That's really interesting because I don't 
feel that way. I grew up in a Baptist church, been Baptist all my life. And there are some things that happen that we'll get into that I'm like, "Mm, Baptist people don't do that. But um, Mm. (laughs) like it is, it parallels some shit that happened in real life. Right. Um, So like, yeah. So to me, it felt very similar tonally to um, another Regina Hall movie, Support the Girls. Have you ever seen Support the Girls? No, I've never seen it. It's basically like she's a manager of a Hooters and her day is like all over the fucking place. And like her life is falling apart and she's left in charge. But like. Is it a drama or a comedy? It's a dark comedy. Oh, okay. It's an indie movie. Regina Hall is like. People need to. I mean, she is like on a mission to prove to people like that she's that bitch. And like she hasn't let us down yet. I really can't think of a comedic actress right now. Like. If there was like a power rankings that's like better than Regina Hall, I I cannot either. Is is different? Yeah, it's I definitely really not can't. Amy Schumer's unfunny ass. Like I don't it's know not, who it is. Not Tiffany. Nah. No, Tiffany. Tiffany might surprise us later. Tiffany yeah. Haddish might surprise us later, and like with this Flojo shit, and really like show us that she has some range. I don't know that I'll ever like buy into her as Flojo because she's such a big personality and so right. like recognizable. I don't know that I'll ever be able to like lose her. In the character and the biopic, but Tiffany has more range than what people hire her to do. I do know that mm-hmm. just from watching um, the last OG. But we're gonna we're gonna see what she's capable of, I guess. But as it stands right now, she doesn't have the range of a Regina Hall. Like Regina no. Hall can fucking do anything. And it's it's crazy to think she's been funny since like scary movie, like. It's wild, like how long she's been in the industry, in the business, being funny, being and people just, people just now are starting to like differentiate her from like Regina King, like, which is so at, like, fucking actually weird. remember her name, <laughs> name, yeah, which is so weird. Um, it's I never watched scary movie, like that wasn't my thing. I don't like the Wayans sometimes can be funny to me, but like when it's that over the top crude humor that they do, like I'm just yeah. like I'm checked out. I like I don't care. Um, but I think the first time I saw her and thought like, this bitch is hilarious was in about last night. Do you remember that? movie? Yeah. With, yeah it was Joy Bryant, that, right. Michael Ely, her and Kevin Hart, her and Kevin right. Hart just have like this great. electric yeah. energy between them. And so I was at, that was the point where I was just like, okay, the first time I remember seeing her where she wasn't being stupid was in the best man, but they didn't give her a whole lot to do. And that first one. Oh yeah. So it wasn't until like about last night till I was like, no, like I fuck with her. Um, so like what was your initial reaction to the movie? Like what did you think about the movie overall? How did you feel about it? Um, overall, I would say I liked it. But I would say I wish it was funnier. I think I only laughed I only chuckled like maybe two times and I actually laughed at like the um Regina doing the praise dance sequence. But, like, every time I laughed, it was, like, it was something Regina was doing. It wasn't anything that Sterling K. Brown was doing or anybody else. I mean, maybe that little girl when <laughs> when she was being, like, preyed on. But <laughs> Okay, so that was that was the thing for me, too. Like, I laughed. I didn't, like, bust out laughing, but I don't yeah. think it's meant for you to do that. Like, it's a dark comedy, which right. is, like, a thing that I enjoy. Like, my my top two, like, top three favorite movies are all, like, dark comedies. I love... Freeway, I love um, American Psycho and um, Donnie Darko. Like, 
But there are points, and I could say in all three mo- all three of those movies where I will I have seen them all a million times, and I will laugh at the same exact spots every single time. It never gets old. So like, um, I agree with you. There wasn't a moment where I just burst into like laughter for real. Um, yeah. Even though I did like chuckle, I guess a couple times. I, and I would say. Sterling K. Brown is trying to get you to laugh most of the movie, I think. Mm. Uh, uh, he's he's kind of doing like a care. He's definitely putting going up to eleven, doing a character of like these mega church preachers. I don't I don't disagree, but I don't think like he's. It's not stupid. I think he's he's like, it's not unrealistic though. Like right so. Um, subtlety can obviously be funny. Subtlety is like really required of you to be a dramatic actor. And obviously he has the range to be able to do that. But like the things that I found funny about his performance had more to do with like how they rang true than Mm. like him being like this wildly funny actor. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I would say with a lot of, um, I think this might be true of a lot of preachers in general. Like, I think uh, it, they're like stand-ups or they're like any other performer where it's like, you got to be on like 90% of the time. Like, when people are coming up to you, you have to have that face. So you have to have that style of speech, that presence, basically. And I think most of this movie, Sterling K. Brown keeps up this presence, even though he's doing it in scenes with his wife just there or scenes where he doesn't know he's being filmed, he still has it up. Which I think where most most regular people or most preachers would probably like take that down when they don't know they're being filmed or they're just with their significant other and stuff. And and I think towards the end of the movie, in the middle of the movie, he really shows like his vulnerability and who he is, especially with that monologue he has when he's uh rehearsing his preaching or the scene with like the sound guy and stuff like that. Like you could see who he really is, like under all this like bravado and performance he's very oily (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's an oily oily dude that's probably the most buff preachers i've ever seen (laughs) that's what everybody has been saying like they're like (laughs) yeah i'm sorry i cannot pay attention to anything else that's happening in this movie because look at this nigga's body (laughs) 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 um I, i would i mean Yes, I agree with you. And I don't think I ever thought about it from that perspective, even though it's right there that like preaching is a performance that you rehearse for. You've like scripted out your lines and then like you have to get up and and convince people yeah, um, to stay tied to your faith. Like, I don't want to call it fake, but it is a it's a production maybe is a better way of saying yeah. it than like, cause per- perform it makes, makes it seem like everyone gets up and is acting. I don't necessarily think that that's the case for, for everyone um, who's a minister, but it's definitely, there's, there's production involved. It's produced. There's right. like, there's like an element of, of preparation that makes it so. And like you said, like you have to be on, you have to turn it on and you have to deliver. Um, that's the expectation of you when you stand up to preach um, in the pulpit. Um, speaking of that scene where the little girl was being prayed over, like Baptist people do not pray in tongues. We don't do that. That was weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I've never seen it. Now, like we shout, but like, 
we don't we don't pray in tongues. I was I was just like, hmm, okay, like what are we doing here? Wait, so y'all don't speak in tongues at all? No. Really? Oh. Well, I mean, I went to I don't know if I want to say the actual church, but I mean it's a pretty pretty famous church around here. The big it's one. It's a black church. Yeah, big one. Where our friends were. Yeah, and we, yeah, we used to They're not Baptists. Yeah, they're not denominational. They're not denominational. Yeah. And yes, they do do that. <laughs> yeah. They and do. I've been to church there and I've enjoyed myself, but like we don't do that. Like Right. That's the awesome thing you do over there, which is fine, but we don't do that. Yeah. Mhm. Well, I mean, I think that's also part of the um the the idea of like performance in mm-hmm. a show. I mean, I used to think when I was a kid, like I didn't have the Holy Ghost because I couldn't speak in tongues. But <laughs> then you just realize, like, people just be saying anything. <laughs> so yeah, like I don't, I don't. I mean, I can't say what they're actually experiencing. Yeah. I just know that I've never been compelled yeah. by the Holy Spirit to behave that way, and, and right. that's not a that's not a thing with us. That we do. It's not part of our church culture. No. I, that's a nice way of me saying the same thing you just said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like, mm. um, I don't know. It didn't feel like inauthentic to me um, watching it. So I, I don't know. It, it could be like, I don't know. It, it, what did you think? Like from your church experience, I mean, did it feel like something well, you yeah? Okay, so the, ch- the church I went to, I went there. I guess when I was a baby, and they were in like a boys and girls club, and then I saw them move into like a bigger building, and then become like one of the biggest mega churches in the area. Basically. So we're talking about the same church that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you grew up in that church. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I did. So, I mean, I recognize like I think his style was way more like prosperity gospel, something you- like. You mean like, you mean on the show? On the show, yeah. Okay. On the, yeah, on the movie. Because I mean, you know. anyone who's from here knows who we're talking about. It's my yeah, freaking yeah. neighbor, but <laughs> that oh, I grew, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, my my parents live yeah, like yeah, two doors do, down do from them. them. Yeah, right. But um, I mean, they're good people. Like, this isn't right. to like shade them at all. You're just talking about your experience, so. Yeah. So, I mean, he, my preacher, he never really dabbled in that like prosperity gospel, but that's mm-hmm. that's very much like a. Creflo Dollar type of message that he's preaching, mm-hmm. which makes it hard to believe like that he he sees himself as helping so many people because those type of preachers are usually pretty selfish. But you do see in a way like he he does have an impact on the community, which is the one thing I found kind of weird because I actually remember um Bishop Eddie Long, who like this story is kind of parallels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has a lot of parallels and I actually know somebody who went to that church and only thing that's weird about this is like half the people in that church like stayed that Sunday and so, every Sunday so uh, that's that yeah. was the thing that like uh, someone else who I heard on another podcast commenting about this was saying they were like the thing that's unrealistic about this movie is that preachers don't get canceled for this kind nah. of thing this also reminded me I don't know if you ever saw like there was um uh, I don't know if it's Alexandra Pelosi, one of hers, but yes, it is because she did Friends of God. So she did this one too. But this one was about um, Ted Haggard who had like got caught up from like using drugs and like paying gay male prostitutes. And like he mm-hmm. got excommunicated from his church, but like the church still existed. He just wasn't there anymore. But in black churches, like this is supposedly the same thing that, like you said, that Eddie Long was accused of. And, like, 
new births still exist and they have an equally skeevy pastor now (laughs) (laughs) in Jamal Bryant. But like, um, but he didn't, Eddie Long was never canceled. Um, And I guess it just depends on like how you look at religion. I have more of an issue with you being a liar than with you being bisexual or whatever. Obviously as a, as a minister in a, a Christian church, like you can't, you can't be out here like saying that about yourself. Um, yeah. But you also I, can make the choice not to preach against it. That's the thing that's a yeah. weird, that's like, that's like awful to me. Like you can, that doesn't have to be part of your ministry. You don't, no one I forces think, you yeah. to be homophobic, like and condemn I, gay people from the pulpit. You can literally just like not a, talk about it. That's a very recent um, predicament as far as like preachers like staying away from homophobia because I feel like that was very much implicit in like the preachings that I grew up with like I I mean my preacher did that stuff like a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people use that message um whether they were like gay or not so interestingly enough like not my church I didn't really I grew up with like societal cues of like that were homophobic about like same-sex couples being wrong right yeah. But like that was not like the 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 background homophobia that exists in African American culture was always there, but like that was not part of my religious education as a child at all. So like um I always knew that it was taboo, but like the mm. idea that like gay people go to hell was something that like came into my purview when I was maybe like a teenager, I was like, this is what y'all be talking about at church. <laughs> like, oh, cause yeah, it's not, I mean, that's like, it's not a thing that I was raised with. And so we heard that in like Sunday school, like Sodom and Gomorrah, they were like, this is what it is. <laughs> These people get like turned to ash and whatnot and sm- smitten by God or whatnot. So God like, didn't smite them cause they were gay. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. he, they were rapists. Like yeah, is what exactly. they actually yeah, were. So right. like, that's a story about like how to treat your neighbor and like, yeah. God doesn't like it when you have malice towards people who visit upon you. Like, don't be a xenophobe is what you're supposed to take from that. At least that's yeah. what I took from it. But like, were you going to come here and we're going to butt rape you? Like, no, like right. that's not. <laughs> um, but anyway, so like, I guess that's like, I guess like the, the thing about being Baptist is that like, they kind of have a convention, but there isn't a governing body over like Baptist churches. Yeah. So there is a there is a power structure that is consistent between Baptist churches, but there isn't like a it's not like being Kojic where like there's a bishop and you have like someone that you report to like a corporation who owns the church. It's not like that or like being Catholic or anything like that. So like you can go from Baptist church to Baptist church and the culture be like vastly different. I've even observed that in my family, but I can, I'm not saying I never went to a Baptist church and heard like people preaching um, homophobia. I absolutely have. And in the church you grew up in, I've been there and heard it. So like, I know that's a thing, but like my church that I grew up in, that just wasn't something we talked about. Right. Did you have like, gay people in your church yes and like how how because i always find it interesting how the church like treats we still do yeah gay people like because some churches i've been to it's like you're tolerated as long as you like provide some type of service basically 
or if you're not so flamboyant that it draws attention. It's it's not a topic of conversation. There's no condemnation yeah. there, but I wouldn't say that it's fully accepted either. I'm not going to sit right. here and, and act like we have like queer outreach ministry. Right. Like that's not, <laughs> yeah. that's not yeah. what it is. It's just, right. like I said, I got societal cues, but like no one was sitting around teaching me to hate gay people. Like that just wasn't, right. that wasn't part of my spiritual upbringing. So, um, but like, a lot of the contention, especially when gay marriage became uh, legal, that was there was really around like not so much there was without like getting into too much. Like, but there was someone in the church who wanted to write like in the bylaws that like we wouldn't do it. And it was never there before. And mm-hmm. like people's children are gay, which is why important people in my church when I was growing up, had gay children. I don't want to get too specific. And I think that's why we didn't talk about it. Right. So they're not sitting around condemning their own kids. So they're not condemning anyone else either. So, I mean, I I feel like that's why we didn't talk about it. And I feel like that's why some people felt safe with their children being there and their children growing up. They're queer children. Like, no one knows when you're born that that's what is going to happen with you, right? But, like... Mm -hmm. When that came up, people who have queer children in the church were like, so what we not going to do? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> right. I was proud of them, actually, in that moment that, like, I never perceived my church as being, like, particularly progressive. But <laughs> I was yeah. a grown woman before I realized, like, oh, like, this is actually what the culture is here. But if you walked in there, you would not feel that at all. Because it's, like I said, it's the absence of the thing. It's not the advocacy for it. It's just the absence of condemnation. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. Some people would say like is covert, but right. right. So I would I would say if you, it's probably a little easier to love yourself with when you're not taught from when you're in diapers that you're going to hell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's always funny to me the way like homophobia is treated in the black church. I wish they would have went more into this in the movie because like I remember. Yes, when, that's what I feel like they glazed yeah. over. I remember when Eddie Long thing, the Eddie Long thing happening, and people, the thing that people kept saying was like, "I knew that nigga was gay, man. He be wearing Under Armour, (laughs) 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 he be wearing them tight ass shirts, like, (laughs) like it's so it's so wild, like how simple like people think or whatever. But it it is it's just a lot. It's a it's a lot to deal with. I do wish she had went more into like homophobia, and but I I think the character of um Khalil was like done really well. Like how how'd you feel that went? Um, I like his performance was forgettable to me. So like I don't have strong feelings. <laughs> but yeah. you, you tell you tell me like what you thought. Well I just like that like it wasn't stereotypical like what the like the the um exchange between them wasn't what I thought it was gonna be mm. at all. It wasn't like he he broke down crying and was this like victim obviously he was victimized by this man but right. but he still was strong he still was able to articulate his feelings and he still held this pastor accountable for the things he that he did hmm. um, i mean does does that happen in real life do they get held accountable do they have these kinds of consequences and should they um, I don't know. Like, I don't. Yeah. 
at the end of the day, he's a married man, right? Right. These people are young adults. And what is your motivation for engaging with someone that in that way? Is it is it an imbalance of power that makes it wrong? Um is it the hypocrisy that makes it wrong? Is you benefiting from it financially the thing that makes it wrong? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel. Like, I, I would say, like, uh, watching the Ted Haggard uh, documentary, I just, I didn't have any sympathy for anyone involved. I felt bad for his children and his wife. But, like, outside of that, like, I was like, y'all are all grown. So do you have sympathy for, I guess, um, Trinity then? Yes. I Even do. Even though you think her reasons, I don't think her reasons for doing the things she does is like the reasons that she says it is. I, I think mean, that I, she really wants to be the person that she says she is and she wrestles with it not looking or going the way that she planned. Does that make sense? Um. Yeah, I I think two things can be true. I think she wants that, but at the same time, like when confronted about, like at the end of the movie, she was like, "I want this these material things. Like I was a good person. I was a good Christian. I deserve to have these things, basically." And that's like the heart of what she wants. Well, you can you can also like make that argument about like Christianity in any faith that promises paradise at the end right. of life, like. Piety for the sake of a reward is not piety, right? It's behavior modification. So to say that, like, I'm going to be a good person, Jesus calls me to be a good person so that I can go to heaven is even, like, is that any different than what she was saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean it, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be, like... <laughs> away, but, like... Right. Is your moral compass rooted in a reward? Yeah, I mean, I would say there's a difference between like a heavenly reward and something you tangibly because she has the she. It's easy to be more faithful and pious when you have like the things in your hand rather than like not knowing exactly what's gonna happen when you die. And I think I don't think anybody really knows what's gonna happen, but yeah, I mean, right. Your that's, that's what your faith that, is, yeah, right? <laughs> your faith di dictates that. Mm-hmm. Like what you believe, yes, but like, do you see? Do you see like the argument I'm making though? Like, if you are a good person because you believe that if you're good, good things will happen to you. Like, are you yeah. good for the sake of being good, or are you good for the sake of being prosperous? And then if we take that a like a level further, like if that's what your faith is based in, like why would it be weird for you to think that way? If your entire belief mm -hmm. in 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 God and Christ is so that you can have a good li afterlife. Like, why would you not think that, like, if you're good, good things will happen to you on Earth? Why would you not feel entitled to that? Because that's what you're told, is be, like, you're being told, like, you'll be promised those things. Or, or like, prosperity gospel. Like, if you actually right. believe that, like, I mean, Christians will go round and round with you about, like, what that is. I don't know that I have an opinion. I think that you know that you're making that person rich when you give them money. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, 
And Baptist churches are typically not structured that way. So that's also interesting that he was as rich as he was. Because Baptist oh, preachers yeah. generally get paid a salary. Oh, I mean, you guys don't and have like, a lot of offerings. We do, but not every Sunday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like we yeah. contrary to belief we actually do have a building fund the air conditioner breaks like right <laughs> so like the boiler needs maintenance there's like all kinds of stuff that has to happen just because you don't have like a big pretty sanctuary doesn't mean that like the light bill has to get paid like yes there's like a, a general fund and then there's a fund that's specific for for certain things and on occasion if it's the pastor's anniversary we give love offerings but like if you are giving a love offering to this person or if it's his birthday or whatever, right? Like if you right. want to bless him, that's fine. But to me, that's no different than like in our church when children are below a certain age, I think like up until they're like six years old, we bless them on their birthday. My child is definitely, if it's their birthday on Sunday, they get mm-hmm. to go up to the front and like people can bless them. My child has come oh, home okay. with money. Like to me, yeah. it's not any different, but like, when you do that shit every Sunday, like he gets a salary so that people don't feel compelled to have yeah. to like shower him with money. And you have three services. Add no. all that up. Like Well, if if you do, yeah, that's that's yeah. a lot of money. But like that's not the the minister is paid a salary. A love offering is a thing. I'm not saying it's not a thing, but like mm-hmm. that stops a lot of that. Like you can still make money, but like if you are, if you have a a large like congregation, then it makes sense that you would make more money because you're servicing more people. It's no different than you being a manager of like a corporation. Like you're responsible for this, this large of a flock. Your salary is indicative of that. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that, but like you shouldn't be out here buying jets. Like that's Mm. nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, 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 like Clifton Davis is living off of like him writing Never Can Say Goodbye by the Jackson Five, like, and his Amen syndication money. Like, he can preach and he don't need you to, like, you understand what I'm saying? He's he's making money independent, passive income independently of that. And there are investments that ministers can make. But like, poor people shouldn't be buying you a jet. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Or like a gold toilet. (laughs) It's nuts. Yeah. It's wild. Well, how'd you feel about the um the young preachers that like were their competition? So like the Nicole Bahari and her husband. Yeah. Like I is that a thing? I'm not super churchy, right? Like I grew up in yeah. church, but like and I get church shade, so it was it was like funny. That was some of yeah. the funnier stuff that I saw, but like I don't think that they're churches at like in most ways, even though we don't treat them like that, they're businesses. So yeah, like they are. If you are servicing the community, you have to fund that and you have to make sure that like it can live and breathe and continue to be a thing. So like you ultimately are competing for congregants um, in a setting like that where your mega church has closed and and, and a a big portion of your flock has moved to this other church. So like. Are they supposed to, you're in this situation because of choices that you made. So am I supposed to be sympathetic to that to make sure that like, maybe I don't sabotage you, but like, do I need to not open up on Easter Sunday, open my new church on Easter Sunday because you need to call people back to your church because of something you did to lose your flock? Like, I don't think there's any heroes here, but I don't know if there's any bad guys either. Like, is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. It's like I I think I 
understood at a young age that church is kind of like a business. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there was this uh, congressman, like this Virginia congressman, I forgot his name. But he said something like racist in an interview to like an Indian reporter or something like that. Like he called him like Malacca or something like that. That was that was George Allen. He was a governor, bro. Oh, <laughs> he was a governor, mm-hmm. right? And um, he he said he used like happened, a, a African yeah. word for monkey to to like yeah call this reporter that. But um, he came to our church uh not to speak or anything, but just so the whole congregation could pray for him. And I'm like, <laughs> I was looking at the pastor. I was like, yeah, Yo, you could have did this in your house. You could have did this in the parking lot. You don't have to like get the whole church to like sympathize with like this racist right here <laughs> like what was going on behind the scenes that is hella interesting i never knew that happened you and i will have to talk off <laughs> about that because i have yeah. so many questions i'm not going to sit here and act like mark warner never came to my church one sunday like that definitely right. happened um picket came to church when i was a little girl my the the former pastor of my church was on city council like that was a thing so like yeah, I mean, I definitely have a lot of church stories. Like, I remember, um, there were no Republicans one, though. Yeah, yeah. A, a white Republican was a member of our of our congregation, but he, I don't know why he was there. It was very interesting. I like, uh, he was coming for a while, and then he left, and then he, when he got into politics, he wasn't coming anymore. And I don't know if, um, I mean, he was nice enough. He didn't win, mm-hmm. but like, and he, like that wasn't the conversation he had for us. So I don't know, like. And my mother, who who is insightful in all her ways, she was like, he's here for a reason. She was like, I don't know if he's writing a book if he's or if he's planning to run for office, but he's here for a reason. She was mm. like, we just haven't. He was on the usher board and everything. She was like, we just haven't figured it out. I mean. Oh, yeah. If if he was, when he had to get an offertory prayer, like, it was good. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, like, I don't, <laughs> he served mm. in the church. Like, he was a good steward. Um, and I just wondered if he was studying us to figure out like how to connect with black people for his career later. Like, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. <laughs> Probably though. put it on his Wikipedia page. I was in the child. Boy. I don't even. I don't even know. <laughs> I we just we would call him by his initials. I don't even know his actual name. Yeah. There you go. But <laughs> but yeah, I I remember one time. Uh, it was at a because our church used to go to a Ted Constant Convocation Center, especially when they were like rebuilding the new church. That's when I went for Easter. Yeah, the person um, that I was dating at the time. Well, it was, my, it was my daughter's father. He used to like to go there for Easter, so we would go for Easter. Yeah, I remember one time they had like TD Jakes there, mm-hmm. and um, he basically did like some little bro like big bank take little take little bank move. <laughs> <laughs> on my pastor. Oh my gosh. He, he basically said, uh, this convers- this congregation is gonna move past you if you don't get your act right, basically, on some like and but pastors do do that. Like they do have like satellite churches where it's like, oh, you're getting big, but you don't wanna like do business with me. Like I'll set up a satellite church and people will just sit in a room and watch my church on TV and take away from your congregation. So like that that stuff happens all the time. It does, but people who, at this point who want to do that, they can do that at home. Yeah, yeah, definitely with like the pandemic and Zoom and all that stuff now. What did you think about the resolution of the movie? Like, what do you think we were supposed to take away? I, I think you're supposed to take away that like you you don't get absolved. I I, I think the the idea. I mean, I I, I think they kind of overplayed um 
Sterling K. Brown's character and kind of made him too shitty and too evil. But I think you're, he he feels like he should he's absolved from the things that he did because he did good in the community. Like he had he built a school for the kids. He had a basketball. Right. Like I remember playing church basketball. Like that was so much fun when I was a kid. That's something. That's definitely something I can empathize with. Like he gave to the community. He was cool with the mayor and like the government, and he he was like a positive force in that community. But that doesn't absolve you from like the things you did, especially if you're not gonna be accountable for it and own up to it. So, so to me, the the thing that he did that was wrong was to be a hypocrite and to be a philanderer. Yeah, but like. Do your misdeeds undo your good deeds, your accomplishments, your accolades? Do your misdeeds undo those things? Do those does that erase anything that you ever did that was good? So, like, I mean, it's ambiguous. As, as much as I was has, like, Bill Cosby needed to that, go to jail. That doesn't yeah. undo all the good stuff he did. Like, right? That doesn't yeah. do, undo all the black kids who now like. Who wanted to go to HBCUs and wanted to go to college or or, mm-hmm. or aspired like to give people like an aspirational functional black family represented on TV? Like, does it it did it undo all of that? Did those things all of a sudden not occur because of the bad things that a person does? And like a regular person, do we hold them to that same standard? Like Right. How many how many of our grandfathers had outside families and shit? Like does does everything granddaddy ever did that was good go away? Because and I'm not making excuses for 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 him as a minister. I'm just like it's interesting how we talk about accountability when it comes to certain sets of people and not other sets of people and like my thing is you put that person on a pedestal but they're still mm-hmm. a human being. So like what you mad for? Like what are you mad for? Because Santa Claus is not real? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, am but, I tripping? Yeah. Like, No, no. It's it's funny how, like, in the church, people have, like, a parasocial relationship with the pastor. The idea that, like, you could not talk to a pastor for, like, 10 years, but that pastor is talking to you, like, every every uh, week. And that, that could definitely get in people's minds to where, like, nothing else could get through. And I did mean, they say he had like twenty six thousand people in his church or whatever? So like, he doesn't know he doesn't know half of those people. When you have a mega nah. church like that, it's very impersonal. Which is why I I have less of an issue with like the money that moves around in churches of that size than I do with like how the flock is managed in a lot of situations. Like they, your your shepherds don't even know you like. And yeah. are you a good shepherd if you don't know your flock? Like, so right. I, I don't, I, that's my thing. Like, it's impersonal. And some people like that. And I think that's fine. But like, I don't like that. So like, it's not for me. But like, what? Ministers I mean, are I, still people. Like, I grew up and they it. mess up. Yeah. I came in a church that was personal just because I, I went to the church school. I knew the pastor's son or whatever. So it was mm-hmm. personal. And then it became like, not personal, basically. And, and a lot of people left that church because of that. And some people just assimilate and, like, keep it moving and try to run in the circles that they run in. But so, so, so having grown up in that situation, though, like, your experience is even, like, unique there because you were there in the beginning. So, like, 
they know the shepherd knows you as part of his flock. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. So like, but like, so like the vast majority of people are not having that experience. So does that mean that they're missing something only if they think they are like, if they don't think they're missing anything, then I guess it's fine. But like, I would feel that way. Um, yeah, I guess I don't need, I don't need Kevin Hart to know me. Like when I go to his show, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna, you're getting what you need from yeah. it, so like that's yeah. good enough for you, right? And and maybe I just need something else. I just, you know me, like I have to challenge myself not to like say stand too firmly on 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 right and wrong in situations that are very very fuzzy, especially with how inconsistent we are as human beings about like where we place judgment and what's valuable, what's right, what's wrong. When is it right? When is it wrong? Who is it right for? Who is it wrong for? And I'm just kind of like. He's a person. Like, don't be mad that you that like he actually isn't God. Like, he's a person. Yeah. How yeah. many ministers be hoes? So many of them. Not right. yours. Not yours. Like, I've never heard that about him. He's great. No. But like, <laughs> but like, so many others. But like, does that take away? Like, even like Martin Luther King. Like, does that take away <laughs> every other thing <laughs> no. that he did? Like, no. No. Which is why, which is why I think people don't leave, because they're thinking about it the same way that I do. Like, who am I to, to judge you? Now that doesn't mean I wouldn't leave. I can't say what I would do if faced with yeah. that. Like, it it would depend on what your message was versus like what you did, basically. Like, to me, I probably wouldn't even be in like a prosperity gospel type of church me in either. the first place. Mm-mm. Um, but. If I was like it, it would it would definitely depend on like what you were talking about. Like if you were giving like actual word that was like vital or or helped me out or got me through some stuff or actually had some value, then I could probably I could definitely forgive. Obviously, but I mean, honestly, like having grown up in a church where homosexuality was not openly condemned, like. I probably am not going to your church if you're doing that in the first place. So like me finding out that you have like some proclivities in that direction, like I'm not listening to you be hateful in the first place. So like, that's not going to bother me as much either. (laughs) Like You're not, you're not being nearly as much of a hypocrite in terms of like what you expect from other people and what you're doing yourself. So like, it's, it's very, very tricky. Yeah, I, I just wish the movie had gone like a lot. There, there was so many w- ways it could go, and obviously it was like an indie movie, mm. so they they couldn't go so far. Um, I think they they found the finance in themselves, the Ebo twins, and then they brought it to um Regina Hall, and she brought it to Focus and Jordan Peele, and that's how they got it made. No, I mean, but, yeah. it's low budget in a way that when you're when you know what low budget looks like. With good yeah. low budget looks like, like uh, it's acceptable, but like I'm here for it. The only filmmaking thing that, like, I wish they had done is I wish they had done like the the uh, praise dance in like a one shot, or like a wide or something like that, and stop stop with the cut. And I was like, oh, they about to do a wide, and her do the whole performance is like, nah, it's just a bunch of cut. She probably couldn't do it in a way that felt oh, yeah. authentic, so they had to like make it look <laughs> right. like something. And she was miming. That was so weird. Did you we know have, we have a my we have a my ministry at my church that like yeah. they kept trying to get me to put my daughter in and I was like mm, no thank you so <laughs> yeah. I mean it was cool for the people who enjoyed it but that was just not right 
do you do you want to see more from these directors like the Evo twins? Do you like, I'm did sure. you like the movie enough? I think they're I, doing some animated stuff next. I like I'm probably not watching any animated features by these people. Right. Um I, I mean, like if I'm being honest, like my my child's a teenager now. Like I'm not rushing to watch cartoons, like unless like they're winning Academy Awards or like there's some overarching messaging that I want to like see myself. Like I'm not. Yeah, I think it's if, some. If, if I'm stuff. not watching the Bad yeah. Batch, like I ain't finna watch your cartoon. So, yeah. <laughs> so like that's not happening. But um, I mean, if they if they had another film out, I think they deserve to get more chances to make more things. Um. I mean, I think one of them's doing an episode of Atlanta next season. I'm here for it. And I, I think they, what they, they do, they done a few episodes on Hive too. That's Donald Glover's new show. Is that out uh, already? Nah, it's not out yet. It's like it's the one that's basically like about a pop star, like a black pop star. Okay. I wonder if tonally it'll be similar to like that Twin Peaks shit he's doing, but I don't know. Any final thoughts on on Honk for Jesus? Save your soul. Um. It's it's definitely, I don't know. I think I'm too close to the situation where, like, I know too much about megachurches and these pastors, and I definitely have a lot of history on it. Um, but because I know the audience score was super low. I don't know if, like, church it people, was. like, review bombed it or whatnot. Or if people they just had didn't to like have, it. They had to have, because it didn't deserve, it didn't deserve the low score it got. I don't think it nah. did. Nah, because it's, like... If you want people to do a satire about like a certain culture, like clearly the Ebo twins are like from this culture. Like they knew Yeah, yes. <laughs> they knew the music, they knew what what it looked like. They got so much stuff right that like I I do appreciate them doing this movie. Do you think it was more or less successful than Burning Sands? I didn't feel like it was as hyperbolic as Burning Sands. Right. So I would say like, yeah, like there's no and I, I think that as, she does have sympathy who grew, for the I characters. Grew up, yeah. Right. I didn't grow up in a mega church, but I grew up in church, and a lot of that rang true for me. And I hear you saying the same thing. And some people just don't like when the mirror is held up to them. So they're like, this is this is unfair because you're calling me on my shit, and it's not pretty. And I like it. Oh, what did you... I forgot to ask you. What did you think of the scene with her mom? Because we saw like a very similar scene in the... Uh, Gerard Carmichael um, home movies joint. That's what it made me think about. Um, I think that she was being her most authentic self in that moment. And I think that's the scene that makes me go like, give her her things. Um, I think that she, she thought she signed up for some one thing and she's getting something else. And like, she doesn't know how to feel about it. And I felt like that level of vulnerability, like also rings true. I think there are women who feel that way in relationships, period. Not necessarily like because they are tied to successful men. It's just like I signed up for one thing and I went into it believing this one thing. And I find out later like that it's not that. And I don't know how to get it back and not mm-hmm. lose myself. And she probably in some degrees did lose herself. Like her identity is wrapped up in her connection to this person who didn't hold up their end of the bargain. So like, yeah. what do you do with that? You go talk to your damn mama. <laughs> that's what we do as black women I can cry to my mama like that's what I can do yeah I think her mom was dismissive but yeah you need to be talking to a therapist probably I mean there's so much you could break down in this movie about like just the idea of like misogyny in the black church and the way that women are like told or like trained to be from generation to generation and how it like still happens 
even in I marriage did. counseling, like, <laughs> yeah, well. well, especially from watching um, Sermon on the Mount. I agree with Gerard Carmichael. Yeah. Like that was that that really like had me vexed. So I don't disagree. Um, so I, yeah, think, I think I think it's mm-hmm. yeah. We we had a pretty good conversation. I mean, it lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Oh, good. So that's going to do it for Honk for Jesus. You can find us on social media on Kind of Movie Critics on Instagram and Facebook and Kind of Movie Crits on Twitter. And just remember, we call ourselves Kind of Movie Critics because we kind of are, we kind of not. We're just a bunch of people who like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.